Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Longer Haul Youth Ministry Podcast. I want to take a second here and give a little disclaimer about this episode in particular before we jump in today. Um, as always, we're just super practical, super family friendly. I know if you're like me, you're listening to a lot of podcasts with your family in your car. Today is really uh, a little bit of an exception on that. No profanity here, but we are dealing with a really sensitive topic, speaking around addictions. So I just want to give you a heads up before you jump into the episode itself, in case you got little ears somewhere, and uh, maybe you don't need to be listening to this with everybody else. But super practical, and I hope you get a lot out of it. So anyway, let's get started. You're listening to the Longer Haul Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston, episode number 41. Wait for it. Not yet. Wait. Okay, go. Welcome to the Longer Haul Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now your host, Jody Livingston. Well, hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Thanks for tuning in and listening wherever you are and wherever this finds you. Thanks for making this podcast today a part of your day. You can find me on the Twitter sphere at, at Jody Livingston. That's J-O-D-Y. And of course, over on the Facebook with The Longer Haul. All of the links, all of the resources you will hear mentioned in today's episode you can find over at thelongerhall.com slash episode zero four one. That'll be your show notes, thelongerhall.com slash episode zero four one. Great guest today. First return guest, actually, to the show with David Martin from I Am Second Students talking about, specifically about um, pornography addiction and kind of He's real honest here with this, kind of his journey through this, and some practical steps to fight this and battle against this, as well as just in general, man, just uh, the repercussions for this and how this affects our ministry. So whether you're finding yourself battling this and, and facing this, or you know someone who have, or certainly you have students who do and are, um, today's episode is going to be super, super great for you. As always, some resources mentioned at the end, so make sure you stick around for the end. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd ask you to share it with somebody and write and leave a review on iTunes for us. Great episode. Great guy. Uh, just a super, super honest reflection here with some practical stuff. So hope you enjoy. Uh, with all that said and all that out of the way, we'll jump in here to today's episode with the real David Martin from I Am Second Students. Well, hey, David, welcome back to the show. First repeat guest. That's a big deal. That is a big deal, man. Um, man, I'm excited that you're back on the show and uh, um, honored, really, to have you back on the show. I'm really, really, um, I don't know if excited is the word, but glad to uh, be talking about what we're talking about, uh, our topic for today. I think it is a, um, I mean, epidemic is probably not even an accurate word when we look at the effect that pornography and um uh, pornography addiction is having on not just our youth ministries, but the families in our church. Mm -hmm. And very likely youth pastors and youth workers listening um, are finding themselves wrestling with this. I mean, the days of having to go and look and find pornography are long gone. Um, it, it comes for you now. And so to be able to walk through and tackle this and hopefully offer some help um, along the way 
I think it's really, really important. So thanks for being willing to come back on the show. We didn't scare you off too bad the first time. Man, I enjoyed it thoroughly last time. So I was excited to come back. Yeah. And thanks for being willing to come on and tackle a pretty tough topic and yeah. kind of share your heart a little bit and uh, be a little vulnerable um, even in that. So um, for folks who may not have heard the last time you were on, do you want to just give a quick synopsis of how you ended up here and what your what your role is there with I Am Second and... And then we'll go from there. Yeah. So my background is student ministry. I did that close to 10 years. And uh, I joined I Am Second in 2013 to kind of frame out and just build out what it would look like for a student expression for I Am Second. Um, And so it's really about empowering students to be able to uh, create, allow conversations to take place. to where they can have spiritual conversations in a very real and organic way, going at the pace that the the person they're sharing their second story with, which is their testimony, um, is willing to take it. And so, you know, the goal is to get to God's story. And so we just, um, we, we're all about story anyway. Um, and so what do those next steps really look like? And so it's just equipping students to do that. So I've been working on that for the last three and a half years. Um, and so here we are today. So my official title is Youth and Culture Strategist for I Am Second. Cool. That sounds yeah. really important. It's, uh, yeah, sounds really important. Um, but day to day, it's it's me uh, just equipping youth pastors uh, and students in how to share Christ in a, in a way that's not bait and switchy or fake or weird or awkward. Um, but having conversations um, to where they can have inspires confidence yeah. uh, to be able to say, this is my story, but this is also God's story. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah, fancy so title, but very simple approach. <laughs> yeah. So if you've not listened to that interview, I think that was episode 32, if I remember right. Um, you can go back and listen to that. We talk all about the I Am Second groups, how that looks and how that plays out at, uh, at the schools and the resources that are available there. Um, and really... You know, how do we get our students to share the gospel on their campuses and, and be able to share their story? And so, uh, great episode. Uh, David was super on that. Lots of cool resources in there. So that's episode 32. You can go back and, and check that out. Today, though, man, we're jumping into kind of a deeper end of the pool here um, and talking about pornography addiction and, and kind of h- how do we combat that? I mean, you're all over the place. You see students and youth pastors everywhere. You've kind of walked this journey yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, man, what are you seeing? What is, where do we even start with this discussion? You know, when I talk to a youth pastor, uh, not about just the personal struggle, but just what they're seeing in their youth ministry, what I tell them is when I got into youth ministry in 2004, um, this was this really wasn't an issue. Um, it, it, it wasn't coming up. Um, it was rare that it was even mentioned. And you have to understand, in 2004, uh, we're still dial-up modems. Um, and, you've got mail. You know, yeah, you've got mail. That that was the season. And and so students, many t- half of them, if not more, didn't even own a computer, as crazy as that sounds. And so, or it was the family computer and it was in the kitchen. And, um, you know, just how you look at our culture in 2004, when I got into the ministry game, uh, up till... 2016, it is a night and day difference um, just in what students are dealing with. And so um, it is prevalent and it's the exception now that a student isn't struggling with this and uh, many youth pastors and youth workers as well. Yeah, I think I read 
uh, recently, you know, the average age of, of a student's exposed to pornography now is 11, um, which is crazy. I mean, that's, yeah. that's crazy. And, and, you know, who knows how they get that, you know, are they going to be honest, honest, honest enough to say that, you know, I know, and I'll say, and I think most listening would say, I don't know that I ever really counsel a high school student that's dealing with an issue that doesn't start in middle school. Mm-hmm. So it's not surprising mm-hmm. to me to see that this is beginning at a much younger age. Um, and man, you think of 11 years old, by the time usually this comes out and comes to light and students start asking for help, they're well into high school. That is a lot of years being uh, being kind of enslaved and held captive to this. And the effects of that, paying forward into marriage and relationships, oh, man, just devastating. It, it's it's devastating and and I'm not a doom and gloom guy but you know when you when you're out there and you know I I do travel quite a bit and it really doesn't matter whether it's a rural Bible Belt uh, town setting ministry um, or something more urban it doesn't matter it's it's really an across the board issue and the thing that I found really more surprising than anything in the last year just in the last year. Um, we're seeing more and more girls yeah. struggling with this. I was at a, I, I spoke at a camp two weeks ago, and I had more girls and ca- girl counselors come to me saying, "This is what my junior high girls are struggling with," um, and they were reporting to me, you know, that these girls are the eleven, twelve, thirteen-year-old girls who are um, addicted, just like a boy would be. Yeah. Um, pornography. So it, it, we're seeing it happen, and uh, but just more devastating at such a young, younger age. And it's just it's getting worse instead of better. Um, and so it's not just a guy issue anymore. No. What do you think are some of the reasons for that? I, I think it's prevalence. I mean, the truth is, is that at that same camp, I had a dad who was a counselor. He came up to me and he had tears in his eyes, and he said, "You know, here's the problem. My son is ten. And he, uh, you know, we busted him for looking at pornography and we're like, how in the world did you find this? He said, Dad, I'm going to show you exactly how I came across it. He typed in Google. um, It was like whitewater rafting or tubing or something completely benign. And one link led to another link, which led to another link. And it's, it was three clicks, if that, yeah. um, where he is now seeing something we is a parent's worst nightmare. Um, and so, it, like you, you said, it comes looking for you um, at this point. Um, my personal experience with pornography, I went looking for it, honestly, um, and in my journey, um, getting into the whole internet pornography thing, but um, it's it, you type in the wrong hashtag, you click on the wrong hashtag. Um, I was telling my wife, I said, I can't believe this, but there is uh, a couple of hashtags that were completely benign, okay? And I'm not even going to say them because I, you know, I yeah, would be curious sure. to pull them up. But on on Instagram, yeah. right? So this is a this is a, a public platform. Everybody uses Instagram, a very benign hashtag, and sure enough, man, if there wasn't just a treasure trove of this this pornography, it was like so. You know, it's it's coming after you, and yeah. and so we have to figure out. Okay, what is our response going to be when when it comes across our path because it's coming? Yeah. Well, why don't you share just a little bit about your journey in that? You mentioned that there, and and then we can kind of springboard off of that a little, and and really talk about because there's a heart issue here to discuss. There's a root issue. It's not just a matter of 
you know, stopping because there's something much, much deeper at play. Um, And so I I think this is a broad, we're never, I mean, in in our short time here in this episode, we're not going to be able to like solve all of the world's pornography problems by any means, (laughs) but, but hopefully be able to give some hope and in the springboard and some steps forward in that. Um, So why don't you just share a little bit on your journey in that and then we can, we can springboard from that. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lo- there's a lot of folks out there that are a lot more qualified to speak to um, just pornography addiction from just a uh, a higher level of understanding of of just what it does and 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 how it affects different parts of you and your relationships and and just your identity and these types of things. Um, there's tons of great studies out there that you know talk about just the physiological aspects of what uh, pornography does to a male. Um, your body releases estrogen. I didn't know that. Um, and what you're seeing, um, and I, I will get to my story, but what, this is something I just came across a couple of months ago is that, um, young men are now struggling with impotency, uh, because pornography has rewired their, their brain to the point where, um, their ability to produce testosterone or they're just because they've become so desensitized and their brain has really been rewired. Um, that they're not able, uh, when they do get married um, or enter into these intimate re- relationships, um, they're not able to perform. And these are young, healthy men. So it's devastating on a lot of different levels. For me personally, um, 2004, um, I had just gotten into youth ministry. I'm 33 years old. <laughs> and so uh, you would think that this would not be an issue for a guy at that point. Um, but time, access, curiosity. And I had heard some jokes about internet pornography, and this is even before YouTube and, and right. videos. We're talking about just images. Um, and I'll never forget, it was during the summer, and um, I typed in bikini or something just to see what would happen and what would come up. And is there really anything to this? And then sure enough, of course, it was there, and I clicked on it. Um, and then that began a journey, a very dark journey for me. Um, and just as God was blessing my ministry and I'm growing and I'm falling in love with youth ministry and, uh, man, I was so grateful to be in the game and to be used of God and, and just discovering all these great things that happens when you're a youth pastor at this almost seemed like at the equal rate, I was developing this terrible addiction secret that no one knew about. It was so shameful and it was ripping me up, um, on the inside and the guilt, the shame and then the cycle of repentance, falling, guilt, shame, repentance. It was just this weird cycle um, and a very dysfunctional relationship that came out of it with God. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, what, that's what the front end looks like. And that's so dangerous. I see that so often, um, not, not even just necessarily with the issue of pornography, but that you know the, the ministry side can really be going so well. And yet there's a, there's something on the personal side that just is broken and, and, and how do those things coexist? You know, man, I don't know. I, I've heard, I've heard, um, Pastor Johnny Hunt one time, who's pastor, first pastor Woodstock, uh, said something defective, you know, God can use a crooked stick to draw a straight line. And, <laughs> and I, I think yeah. God does that. The danger is that we often look around and say, well, man, the ministry's growing, like God's really blessing this 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 can't be that bad or that big of a problem. And we can begin to kind of, even though we're wrestling and walking through that guilt and shame, there's a part of us that starts to try to justify a little 
uh, of what what's happening kind of on the back end that no one else can really see. And that's a scary place. It is a scary place. You know, I really I think that uh, looking back, um, there is an immature perspective um, in, in Christians that we can be. I was I fell into this was the grace of God is bigger than my worst sin. And that is a true statement. And and I hope that at the end of this podcast, more than anything else, the grace of God is what is really put on the top shelf for everybody to be able to see and, and understand. Um, so don't misunderstand me as I talk through this, but I do believe that it is a reflection of our maturity as Christians uh, to abuse that grace and sure. to go, um, man, God's going to forgive me, or it's not that big of a deal. And in that, there there's a real danger of losing our fear and awe and respect of God um, to where that is somehow replaced with, hey, everybody struggles, everybody messes up, it's just a thing, um, without, and, and allowing it to really go unchecked. Um, and so that's kind of what happened to me. I, I jumped on the grace train so hardcore that I, it was almost like a free ticket to go, well, this is my thing and I struggle and it's cool. Um, especially when I started talking to other guys who struggle with the same thing, it was almost like, oh man, this is every man's battle. And, yeah. uh, man, we're all dealing with this and this is just the way life is. And, um, it can, it can give a false sense of security that this is an okay thing to, you know, have in your life. And it's not, you wouldn't want it there if you could choose, but it is what it is. Um, and so we settle into this defeatist idea that I'm always going to struggle with this. So I'm not going to really fight it. Yeah. My, uh, so I, I think immediately of like Romans six, you know, Paul, should we go on sinning? You know, the grace of God is sufficient, obviously, but should we go continue on and sin? You know, man, God forbid that. Um, I think there's a tendency. I think this is, I'm seeing this more and more. I don't know if this is culturally where we're drifting in the church or if this is just, I don't know, where there's this, it's always kind of been this way. This isn't new, but I'm seeing more and more of this attitude is that let me see how close to the edge I can get and still be held by God's grace. Um, <laughs> rather than how close can I get to the Lord? Um, and so we want to be, and I, man, I personally, I have a really hard time with that because my personality is kind of an all or nothing kind of guy. I'm, I'm <laughs> all in or I'm not. And I desperately want to be known. I want to get as close to the, to the fire as I can, if you will. Um, that's not easy. It's easier to say that than to do that. But, you know, if there's a gray area, I'm I'm just really gonna play it safe. I've just seen destruction in my family over things like that. My uncle um, was a cocaine addict when I was growing up, and I remember his third him telling me his third time in rehab, he left rehab, and they told him when he left, you will be a cocaine addict for the rest of your life. You're gonna wake up every day and crave cocaine, and you're gonna have to make the choice not to do that. And I remember sitting there going, that's the dumbest thing that I, I mean, I've never struggled with cocaine addiction and I know from him like that was a huge struggle. And so I'm by no means, please hear me. I'm not being dismissive, but I'm just thinking, man, after you just left rehab, that's the hope you're giving, you know, yeah. that this battle is never going to go away. Yeah. Um, and for years it didn't until, until Christ radically changed his life. Yeah. Um, 
And that didn't take all of his struggles away either. I mean, he walked through a lot of struggles on a lot of, and honestly, um, you know, he, he ultimately committed suicide a few years ago, mm. unrelated to cocaine addiction, but it was a shoulder injury that led to painkillers. And so it's like the cocaine couldn't get him, but painkillers came around, ultimately just messed him up. Yeah. And so we have to be so careful in that, but, but man, the Lord can absolutely replenish and restore. And maybe that sounds a little hypocritical with my example of, of my uncle there, but I'm telling you, I watched that man go from a hopeless drug addict to somebody who genuinely loved the Lord for, and, and, and I believe even, even really into the end, really loved the Lord, um, which he would not have even claimed prior to that. Mm. But that it's just a, such a slippery slope is that you, you're right, man. Like you take one step and then the next step gets easier. And before long, you're in so deep. How do you, how do you get out? And I think yeah. that's where a lot of people find themselves with pornography addiction because it's so accessible and readily available on the smartphone that you have yeah. in your hand, you know, and everywhere else for that matter. But at least there, like, how do you? Well, and, and that's, I mean, here's the thing, you know, uh, it's not like I've been out on the other side of pornography addiction for a long time. Um, the truth of the matter is, is 2012, only four years ago, um, I got to a breaking point. And the reason why I'm sharing this and wanting to discuss this with you today um, is I know from a youth pastor standpoint what it feels like to struggle with something like this and desperately want to stop at the same time, and, and you love God, you love students, your heart is right, and yet there's this thing that the enemy uses when you're, the times you're not looking at pornography and uh, consuming it, that the enemy will use that to uh, make you feel illegitimate, uh, like you're the biggest hypocrite in the room, um, all of these condemnation, shame, all of these types of elements that really, um, it can stunt a youth pastor or a youth worker's capacity to have the confidence to minister at a high level. Um, and, and I know what it feels like to carry that shame and that burden. It's a disease that you carry in your soul. And um, so when you worship, you're, you're not worshiping from a place of freedom. You're worshiping from a place of, I hope God lets me continue to do ministry, even though I'm not worthy. And we have this complex on ourselves. And, and we, the way that we view ourselves is different than what God says through the light of the cross, right? And and so, you know, the idea that I would be on a podcast um, sharing this with anybody, the idea for like four years ago, Dave, if, if someone said, hey, in four years, you're going to be on a podcast and lots of strangers are going to hear you, I'd say, I, did I lose my mind in 2016? Yeah. Um, you know, because the idea of sharing this is it was my deepest, darkest secret. And I didn't want anybody to hear it. Sure. Um but I'm here on this podcast because of what God has done and how he's liberated me. Uh, um, and so that's really why I'm doing this is, you know, through my story, that's not a prescriptive, uh, I'm not trying to say, do, do it my way and you'll find freedom. Um, but I hope at least one youth pastor will go, oh my gosh, he sounds like me. And yeah. this, is, this gives me hope, you know, because it's devastating. Yeah, and look, for, for those listening, for, you know, just so you know, like this whole, this episode really came about through just conversation that Dave and I had after the last episode. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
and man, you were so gracious and said, "Look, this is an issue. I would I would be honored to come on and discuss this as another you know on another episode." And so so here we are, um, which I man I respect and am so grateful for your heart in that um, for sure. So walk us through a little bit, like how how this was a struggle. Obviously, you had for a long time. Mm-hmm. How I mean, what was the breaking point, and how did you walk out of that? to get to here like if for the for the youth pastor listening for you know the student who's listening or you know maybe they've given this episode to to a college student or a youth leader or to a dad yeah for the person listening to, who's man they're stuck in this and they are sitting where you're describing feeling all those things how do they get from you know 2012 dave to 2016 dave yeah um i was talking to a, a youth pastor when I was on the other side of this, um, probably about six, eight months, um, and seeing freedom in my life from, you know, this pornography addiction. And what he said really stuck with me. He said, you know, isn't it funny? The problem is never the problem. Hmm. And, and it really, that stuck with me because it's true. And the thing is, is that one of the things that I was most scared of in ministry is following in the footsteps that my father had walked. And what I mean by that, I was, I grew up as a pastor's kid and I discovered my dad was having affairs on my mom. I was the one who found the evidence at age 16. And, you know, shortly after that, my dad divorces my mom, he gets out of ministry and I got the heck out of ministry too. I was tired of being a a pastor's kid. Um, and then took 13 years off from church, had a near-death experience, and then God put me in youth ministry. And one of my biggest fears going to youth ministry was, I told my wife, I said, "Hun, you know, we don't have that great of a marriage. It's not strong. And it's true. Um, at that point, going into ministry, I said, my biggest fear is that I'm going to mess this up and actually wind up doing what my dad did. Because hmm. I, kn- I know what's in me. And this is probably within the first year of, of me being in youth ministry. I was so scared of what I was capable of doing um, and doing exactly what my father did. So to put that on hold, you've got this pornography addiction that's being fed for about eight years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so now we get to 2012 to your question. Um, I woke up, I lay down for a nap. This is the most bizarre thing. I lay down to sleep. And I didn't, I was just laying there and my mind started running. And all of a sudden, within that little bit of time, 30 minutes, an hour, I had such a wave of shame and guilt and fear of being found out about my pornography addiction. With, I mean, at this point, I've got my youth workers who respect me and I've got, been doing ministry a long time. I'm students who look up to me and see me as a, as a picture of, you know, godly living, right? I can't begin to tell you what that felt like. It was like the curtain had been pulled back and I began to realize really what I was inviting into my life. And I became so um, broken and scared and fearful and shame-filled. In that afternoon, when I got up out of that bed, I was a different person. And that went on for about nine months um, of going, what in the world is happening to me? Um, I fell into the deepest depression of my life. I, and, and, you know, you look back and those are the symptoms of God breaking you, yeah. you know, and, and breaking that off of me. Um, so that, that was a nine-month process. I got to the point, man, where I didn't even want to be in ministry anymore. Um, I was thinking about getting out. And I, I think I was done because I would preach, which is one of the things that I love doing the most to students and telling them about God. 
I couldn't even preach anymore. I could I didn't have the capacity to love students like I wanted to. And so I was the guy who would stay in his office and study his sermon. Um, yeah. But I was really hiding on, you know, uh, before youth group because I had nothing to give students anymore. And I'm like, I'm an empty shell. And I've got this thing that's wrecking me on the inside. And I don't know how to stop it. And it's destroying my health physically, uh, my mental capacity. I'm depressed. Every time I wake up in the morning, I feel like there's a piano on my chest. And I went, I've blown it. I've blown it. There's no way out of this. And this is what I've created for myself. And God is pulling me out of ministry because I deserve it. I'm not an honorable man. And, and just all these types of things. Um, all that to say, God gave me a glimmer of hope um, at the end of that summer in 2012. And I was standing on the beach and I said, God, I'm a wreck. School's about to start this year. I, I have no vision for this ministry. I have nothing to give you or anybody else, including my family. Um, what are you going to do with me? I'm done. I, I don't know what to do. And that was the first time in that moment I had some peace and some joy. And I was, I felt like God was saying, Dave, I've got you and I've got this. And all that to say, it, about a month after that, I'm sitting in front of my youth building and I'm just having a quiet time. And God took me to Malachi chapter two. And I, who goes to Malachi on their own, right? <laughs> and so I well, go to, like the minor uh, prophets. <laughs> I'm down with the minor props, but yeah, I just opened it up and I began to read in Malachi two, and it's loosely tied to what I'm talking about here. And this is what God showed me in this passage. But but you know, the priests are like, basically, where's the power? We used to have your anointing. What, what's going on, right? And God, I'm paraphrasing, but God said, I'll tell you what's going on. You have forsaken the vows that you made to the wife of your youth. I've mm-hmm. seen that. And, and he goes on to explain that um, my plan for you was that you would honor your wife of your youth and honor those vows that you made so that you may produce godly children. And it just kind of goes down from there. I went, oh my gosh. And immediately, man, I was reminded of uh, Matthew 5, where Jesus says, if you look upon a woman in lust... You've committed adultery in your heart. And bro, at that moment, the clouds parted and I got it. I went, oh my gosh, my greatest fear above dying for the last eight years has been to do to fall into my the traps my father fell into in committing adultery. And in that moment, between those two passages, I realized, oh my gosh, I have forsaken the vows that I made to my the wife of my youth. I'm an adulterer. I'm not out having physical sex with women, but you know what? I've been doing it for eight years in my spirit and in my heart and in my mind. I've been entertaining these things. I was harboring the spirit of adultery within me. Of, of course, I'm afraid of committing adultery because I am one. I'm an adulterer already. Yeah. And that was my that was the big aha moment for me. So, I didn't realize it up to that point. So at this point, any does anyone know that this is all happening still or is this still very much... Oh, it's very much a secret. It's very much a secret. There's two guys um, that I shared it with. Um, another youth pastor who was struggling as well. Um, I brought him in for a retreat, and we got talking, and we uh, we said, hey, man, I'm, this is what I'm dealing with, um, and another buddy of mine. Um, but it didn't help. I, it was good to have a brother, you know, just get it off your chest, and I think that's healthy, um, but it wasn't going to help me stop. Right. And in that moment, God said, now you need to tell your wife. Yikes. 
And I was like, God, I can't do that. We're good. I get it. I get it. I understand. I, man, thank you for showing this to me, but she doesn't need to know this is not useful information, right? <laughs> um, and uh, God was like, no, you, you need to come clean. And, and so here's what made it even harder. My wife had said since, you know, over this, you know, you see the progression of the church and, and, you know, pornography addiction is becoming, it's coming out. It's, and she told me, she said, I'm so glad that you don't struggle with that. You're one of the good guys. And I'm like, oh, honey, if you only knew that I'm not a good guy, you know? And, um, so I, I went and broke it to her and I didn't know what she was going to, how she was going to respond. But let me just tell you to my wife's credit, she was full of grace full of understanding as much as a woman and a wife who's been cheated on by her husband in his spirit for eight years can be. Um, but this is what I told her. I said, you know what? You're going to be my accountability partner. She's the one that I'm sinning against besides God. Um, I'm cheating on her. And, and so, um, she, I made a commitment to her that she's going to be my accountability partner and she has been and is. Yeah. So I would, Tell me your thoughts on this, because I, I think that's, I mean, as far as in a marriage context, phenomenal. But if you're yeah. listening and you're a single dude, uh, mm-hmm. probably not best to have your girlfriend as your accountability partner. No, that it actually probably goes the other direction. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. But for sure, man, as you know, gosh, as a spouse, as a, as a married you know, couple, that's a, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of guys who are struggling with porn addiction, who have friends who are also struggling with porn addiction, who decide they're going to be the accountability partners to kind of lift each other out of this hole. That doesn't seem to work well. You know, it, it tends to play out like, oh man, how was your week? I messed up. Yeah, me too. We'll get it next week kind of thing. Do yeah. you see that? I do. And listen, I'm not going to knock it. Um, you know, I think that, that that's a great first step for yeah. many uh, for anybody, married or unmarried, uh, men, women, whatever, um, you need to. I've learned the more light you shine on this issue, the the less power it's going to have in your life. And so I sure. think it's it's totally appropriate and cool um, to have people in your life um, of the same sex that you can go to and say, "Man, listen, here I did it again. You know, um, I stumbled, I fell, whatever that looks like." Um, but there also needs to, you need to start building in layers of accountability. So that's a great first step first. Hey, you know, text your buddy. Um, but there needs to be people who you're accountable to on a higher level as well. Yeah. Um, if, if you, if that can, if that can happen. What, so after that, what kind of, I mean, what does that look like? How, where this, how did you walk out of that? Was it just kind of, okay, I'm done. And that was it for you? I, I went, you know what, um, what I've gone through in the last year, (laughs) um, the price tag was so steep for me to continue to do it would have been the most foolish thing in the world. Um, and because of what it did to my spirit after I looked at it, I literally just couldn't do it anymore. Um, and so have there been times since 2012 that I've looked at pornography, um, not the stuff that I used to look at. And so, and, and you can already hear in that statement yeah. how the enemy will convince you, well, you're not looking at the bad stuff anymore. Sure. Right. Uh, comparatively, this is no big deal. And so honestly, that's been my struggle over the last four years is going, well, it's not the hard stuff. It's not the old wells that I used to go to. This is, right. this is a girl, you know, and a, a thong. This is a, or whatever it may be that comes across my phone. Um, but you know what? 
the Holy Spirit's not going to let me wiggle on that either. And so I, sure. I, I let my wife know. Um, I just, man, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, it's just the price tag's too high. And, you know, God's called me to all of us to, to holiness and, um, man, it's just, it's had, it, it's had its run with me in my life and I, and I'm just sick of it. And I think that's kind of where you have to get. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. Just, where you're more sick of it than you, than you actually desire it. So you travel a ton. Seems like yeah. that would be, uh, a dangerous thing. Um, being alone a lot traveling, what kind of safeguards, you know, is there, is there like a, a scripture memory plan that you run to, are there filters? Like what kind of stuff are you doing to kind of set up some, some boundaries and safeguards on that? Um, that's a great question. So I have told my, my wife, you know, here's, here's where I'm most prone to start clicking on things, um, in my hotel room. Um, if I've done a really long stretch of ministry, so I've preached like five days in a row, twice a day kind of deal. Um, so I'm depleted, I'm tapped out. I've been around a lot of people. I need to recharge by myself. Um, I'm just fatigued, um, maybe, or if I've had a run where I haven't slept well for a couple of days. Um, you know, these types of things where your guard is down and you're just tired and you're just tapped out. Those are the times where I'm most prone um, just looking at my patterns, but the most prone to, to go, Oh, this isn't a big deal. I'll, I'll watch this YouTube video or I'll, you know, these types of things. Um, so she knows that. And so when she texts me and she says, you know, honey, I love you. Are you keeping it real or whatever way that she puts it? It's, it's a, it's a reminder for me and, yeah. and that seems to work for me. Yeah. But you know what? I'm four years into, uh, being healed of this. Uh, four years ago, that wouldn't have worked for me. Right. Right. I, I would have needed something more than that. But right now, that's it seems to work well. So I often encourage, I think we we hear a lot, and I would, especially early on in my ministry, uh, a lot about fighting sin with Scripture, fighting temptation with Scripture, and I think there's a biblical pattern for that. I'm not saying there's not. But what I often find is many times the passages of Scripture we memorize to combat certain sins and temptations deal heavily with the sin that we're struggling with. Mm. So in my life, uh, that has not always been really helpful because it doesn't really move my perspective or my focus off of the sin or the struggle. Um, and so for a long time, I remember, you know, I would counsel guys, oh, here's a bunch of passages on lust, you know, memorize these when you find yourself struggling with lust, man, you know, flee from youthful lust. And I just, I noticed that a lot of guys weren't really getting a lot of uh, victory over things from that. And so what I have really found in my life is to, rather than focus on passages that deal with that temptation or sin, but focus on the character and nature and the faithfulness of who God is. Yeah. That tends to shift my focus more to where my perspective probably should be, regardless of the sin or the temptation in that moment. Um, you know, and, and, and so I, I think I've seen that play out better for myself and a lot of a lot of the students that that I kind of give counsel to. Um, as far as that goes, filtering. Do you do anything with filtering on your side? Um, yeah, we for years, for a couple of years, we have this thing called Open DNS. Yeah, I'm um, familiar with that. And that that seems to work really really well, especially in in the seasons where you know when I was still you know coming out of this, that was really helpful. Um, so yeah, I would recommend that. Um, it's good to have something tell on you. 
yeah. for sure, whatever that is, whether it be something through Triple X Church or if it's Covenant Eyes, I think it's good to have that. Send it to people that they would be the last ones you would want to know that you're looking at porn. Yeah. Those are the ones that you need to send it to. Yeah, um, it needs to be. It needs to be like, oh gosh, man, do I really want you know the senior pastor to get this <laughs> or right, whatever. Right. Um, you know, or whoever that person is, it needs to be painful in a way. Um, that that's a great deterrent. It really doesn't address the deeper issue of why you're wanting to go there. Um, and and I love what you said. It's it's you're 100 percent right. Yes, we should be aware of the scriptures as it talks about lust and, and these types of things. But the truth is, at the core of it, it's an identity thing. We yeah. forget who we are. Um, and to so be reminded good. of our identity in Christ and and who we really are, we are not those things. We are not defined by our temptations. Um, the, we are not defined by those things. We're defined by the cross, and that's the beauty of it. And being reminded of that, um, you're right. You're going to see a much higher level of success in avoiding temptation because any temptation, whether it's cutting, eating disorder, losing your temper, stealing, lying, whatever it may be, it's an identity crisis in those moments. Yeah. Um, and we're believing a lie before – you always have to believe a lie before you choose to sin, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. And the lie is this is who you are. This is what you're about. This is what you're made to be or to do or desire. Um, so not to go on a tangent about that, but I, I think that's vital. No, I think that's good. I mean, you look – look, I mean, the enemy hasn't changed his tactic here. Genesis 3, when he approaches Eve in the garden, he doesn't come say, hey, look how fancy this tree is. He starts and says – did God really say? Yeah. You know, is that, I mean, is that really what God says? Is that really what God expects? Is this, is this really a big deal? Yeah. And boy, it, it's, it's not hard for us to buy into that in any, any sense, you know? Um, and, and I think you're right too. And, and at the core of it is something, right? That's not like the sin itself. The temptation itself, regardless of whether that's anger, whether that's pornography, whether that's lust, whether that's gossip, there is an insecurity there. And until you figure out where where that is coming from, you're never going to really gain victory. And at the end of the day, we've got to give ourselves wholly and completely to the Lord and, and allow him to, to work that out. In me, man, I can relate so much because my parents divorced when I was really young. And uh, my dad had cheated on my mom. And so I grew up really without a dad around. I lived with my mom and I lived with my grandparents for a good amount of time. No real church influence there in the home, although my other set of grandparents would take me on the weekends. Um, but there was nothing, no semblance of godliness in my house, to say the least. Mm. I had a stepdad in middle school, high school who had real anger issues and, and some abuse stuff there. Um, and so my fear is the same and I don't want to become, I don't want to make those same mistakes, but I find myself, uh, when I'm tired or, uh, which, I mean, it's right now we're recording this in June, man, I'm tired. You know, I was tired in May. I'm really <laughs> tired. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. that's where I find myself, um, slipping into, you know, anger stuff with, I find myself really being short with the kids or, um, but just not really being able to give my all to, to my family, give my all to the ministry. And I have to back up, you know, my wife's great about that. I mean, we, we had this conversation last night, you know, she, she said, gosh, I noticed you're, you're pretty short with the kids. And 
Um, I, you, I know you're tired, but you know, you need to check this stuff. And I love that man about my wife. Like she's so good. And of course I'm like, ah, I'm not really sure. They just weren't really listening or, you know, she's <laughs> like, no, but really, you know, you're kind like, of a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Like I know I'm sorry, you know? And so I had to go back and like, Hey, listen, guys, I'm sorry. You know, I know this isn't, but I, I think there is something there with all of us. And generally it's for me, it's an insecurity of that. I mean, I don't know how to be a dad. I don't know how to be a husband. There's no example of that in my life, really. I'm figuring this out as I go, making it up most of the time, and just striving to do my best to reflect Christ to my wife and to my kids and to my to my students and to the ministry. Um, a, a couple things I just want to hit real quick that you mentioned. Great resources. Covenant Eyes, super. Um, the, there's some built-in accountability and filtering. You have options there. You can do one or the other. The accountability feature with Covenant Eyes is great. Um I think it's like 10, 11 bucks for a single person and then like 15 bucks for your family. So let me say this too. We, this goes back to where we started, Dave. If you're a parent, dude, filter your internet. Okay. Please don't be the parent that says, not my kid. That is a disaster waiting to happen. Um, and so 15 bucks a month for family is worth every penny of that. Um, and it's good. It's got accountability feature there. So it will, uh, you can set up certain people. They'll get, a, you know, an email or text message when, when questionable things are at, or they can do a report. So from the previous week, I have several guys that I, I'm an accountability partner for in this and I'll get a report and it'll give me all the questionable things that seem to be outside of bounds. And I will immediately call and say, what was up with this? Where was this? Um, I can look and see from as an accountability partner, I can look, go in and look and see when are the times of internet usage the highest for them? What are the things they're running? So there's, I mean, it's really, really, you talk about accountability, man. It's great. Um, but the coolest feature, which I just realized they had, and we were talking about this a little bit before we started the recording, is it has a panic button. Um, and so if you find yourself kind of in a place where you're really tempted, you, man, you hit the panic button. It shuts down the Internet. And it's not like for a time period. In order to get it turned back on to allow to get access again, you have to call the customer service folks with Covenant Eyes to have it reinstated and cut on. So that that's hardcore, man. That is so strong. If And I think when you get to the point where you're like, I've got to be done with this. I got to set some really strong parameters and fail safes. Like that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good one. Triple X church, tons of good resources there. Although if you have filtering, like you may not be able to get to it um, because it's triple X church. And sometimes the filter will catch that, but they have a ton of resources there. Um, for you too. And there's others out there um, for sure, but those are the ones I'm familiar with. Open DNS, like you said, Covenant Eyes, Triple X Church. Um, a passage I find myself running to a lot in general, just like whenever I'm just struggling with anything. So even like last night, um, you know, I, this morning, man, I jumped right in. I, I find myself running back to Psalm 103 a lot. Um, just the character and nature of God that he does not deal with us according to our sins or transgressions. That he casts our sins as far as from the east as from the west. And and just finding, reminding myself of this kind of already not yet, that I'm already justified before the Lord. That's right. I'm already declared clean that, that Christ didn't die just do away with my sin, but my guilt and my shame. But I'm still growing. I'm still very much being sanctified. I'm still very much being shaped and molded into who he has called me. And, and, and this... You know, as Paul would say, that we've been predestined to be conformed in the image of his son. Like, I'm still being conformed 
into that image that he has called and created me and prepared me to be. Um, but man, that, that Psalm, I would say particularly over the last probably two or three years, um, has just been a rock of a passage for me over and over. When I find myself tired, I mean, I don't really have to be struggling. I can just be tired. Mm. Um, and, and I'm in, and, and, uh, man, I'm, I know you're the, I'm doing the interview for you here, but I just share my heart a little in this as well. Like I'm taking, I'm trying to finish this degree. That's forever. You know, I've been working on forever and ever. So I've been taking a f- like 12, 13 hours of classes the last few years on top of being a full-time student pastor, overseeing middle school, high school and college ministry of several hundred students, family of four, like this podcast, the blog, <laughs> like, uh, man, it, probably too much to be honest. And I've had some folks say to me, like something's going to have to give here. And, and that's reflected in the lack of consistency in podcast episodes and blogging, like the end of the day that I enjoy this, but it's not my priority. But I think we have to be guarded and, and recognize within ourselves, like, you, like you're even saying like, okay, these are the times where I seem to really fall off the tracks and, and how do I set some of these things up and, and safeguard and, and so that I'm not, before I get to that point, I can stop, right? I can keep myself from going into anger mode or in, into, you know, the pornography or into whatever. Um, it's so, so helpful. Yeah. I, you know, practically speaking, um, a youth pastor of mine said he, his, his senior pastor was talking to the staff and uh, he said, here's the thing, guys. He said, y'all are going to sin. You're going to mess up somewhere, somehow. Some, he said, but here's all I'm asking. I'm not asking for perfection. Um, but what I am asking you to do is this, is keep the time between your sin and your confession short. Mm, yeah. And that was some of the most helpful advice. And I share that because, you know, if I'm driving in the car and I'm listening to this podcast, I'm going, well, good for that guy. He found liberty on the other side of this thing. But man, I don't see any way out of this. And I, I don't know if I'll ever stop struggling with it. And and I listen, I totally get it. And so what I would tell you is this. Um, the enemy for me personally, um, as a someone who wanted to be a man of God, who wanted to just knock it out of the ballpark for Christ and ministry and just love students and, and just see all the great things that we long to see as those who are in ministry. Um you know, there was a lot of you should be, why can't you type thinking that went on in my mind and my heart because of the sin. So here's the thing. I will say this with full confidence. The one thing that I've learned about the Lord um, in these dark moments of my life of addiction and sin and things that are detestable in the sight of God, he really is a gracious God. And I have no reason, good reason. Uh, to be in ministry if I was going to be gauged by my addictions. And yet, by God's grace, here I am. Mm. So it really is a true thing. What, you know, it, it gives me a greater appreciation for grace. And I'll tell you another thing. You know what this, this has done for me? It's made me a more gracious person. Yeah, yeah um, I'm sure. Uh, because I, I'm very quick to remember just how sinful I can be. Um, and being able to extend grace to those around me, starting with my family, my wife, um, and, and those I even minister to. Um, so I would never suggest to anybody that you just white knuckle this thing and power up and that you're, you've already lost the battle. Um, God loves you. 
And when we share that with our students, they need to see that come from a real place, even if it comes from a place of, I don't deserve the love, but he gives it anyway. We're his children. Yeah. Um, so confess it and move on. Don't let the enemy have a heyday in playing those games with your head. Um, he's a good father. Yeah, yeah. There's. Have you ever read the book, The Power of Habit? No. It's, it's a been around a while. Uh, it doesn't deal specifically with this issue, but he talks about just habits in our life, good and bad. One of the things that he talks about in that book, uh, it's a great book, by the way, highly recommend it. Um, he talks about you, you can't just do away with a bad habit. You have to replace the bad habit with a good habit. Um, and so I think so many times we find ourselves in cycles like this and we just try to stop, right? But we don't really think about replacing it. And so oftentimes our sin becomes a coping mechanism for us, I think. And, and so until we can find a better way to cope, a more healthy way, we're always going to be tempted to run back to the other. My, my grandfather, man, he smoked forever. And I remember him over and over telling me, I just can't quit smoking. And I would say, yeah, you've quit smoking like four times. Quitting is not your problem. It's just that you keep starting back. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, and I think a lot of times we, we forget, like there's such a, there's something deeply spiritual about this that we're talking about. But there, I mean, God has also created us in just an amazing way. And many times it's not so much about walking away and stopping something as almost retraining us to pursue something better and in, in, in the Lord. And, and, and he really walks through a lot of that in the power of habit and how to re, retrain so that we're, our brain isn't going in those moments where we find ourselves, we're not going to whatever the sin is but we're going to something better. And he, he it's he's not a believer from what I can understand in the book. He's not speaking in, like we are as far as spiritual things, but just in a very pragmatic, physical way, mental way, kind of retraining and developing habits in our life. Um, this is a great, great resource. I've, I've forgotten about that. I've read that book, but it's been quite some time. But I think that plays into this as well, it is retraining, redirecting um, ourselves. How, how about this? Because I think there's a, I don't want to assume anything here. If you're listening to this and you're, we're talking about setting up accountability, there is an extent where, man, have really strong accountability there, but you have to also be discerning a bit, right? I mean, this is not something you're going to get up Wednesday night and confess to your students or in your next parent meeting, like unless you would like to lose your job. Um, <laughs> And that's, and that's not necessarily, I would say, you tell me what you think, that that's not necessarily being hypocritical um, either, because there is some wisdom and discernment that's needed. You may or may not be in a position to be able to go to approach your senior pastor or your whoever and do that. Um, but strong, strong accountability is really, really important. You just have to be a little discerning how and when to do that, you know. Well, that is, I was, I was going to mention that, uh, but I didn't, I didn't want to throw a monkey wrench in someone, you know, feeling empowered to, to open up and share. But I will tell you this, unfortunately, I've heard too many stories about a youth pastor in particular, because I know a lot of youth guys and girls, um, and they, for the sake of community, for being open, transparent, uh, leadership, accountability, all of these elements, um, not every time, but I've heard some real horror stories where, they go uh, to their senior pastor as a pastor, not as their boss. And 
in a dream world, that's great. I have not really seen it played out in my life personally, um, except through really one pastor, but it's very difficult. And you're asking a lot of your boss um, to to really understand and be mature enough to be able to separate the two. Um, Just someone who's under that person's leadership, spiritually speaking, versus the guy who, in theory, signed your checks. Um, So what I would recommend is first... If you're married, your spouse needs to be your accountability partner. I think for me, that's that's a hard and fast rule that I would recommend to anybody. Um, but if you're not married, it really should be someone outside of your immediate circle of ministry um, who loves you and loves you unconditionally, but they don't have uh, a direct line to your employment, um, <laughs> you know, and 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 ministry. Um, I think it's it's good to have someone outside of that circle. Just in general, not even just for pornography addiction or whatever, but I think it's just it's good to have someone outside of your circle that just loves you and loves God, um, and it's a safe place to fall. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, just to we'll finish up here. I we would say filtering for sure, some safeguards, it's a some great type start. Of accountability yeah. is a great start. Building in uh, con- some confession there with where it needs to be if you're married, um, and and then just some accountability outside of that. And then, man, just stay in the word, right? I mean, it's like the Jesus Sunday school answer. But if, if you're not really genuinely pursuing the Lord, this is certainly going to be easier to sneak up. And it doesn't mean that you're, man, you could be very consistent. You walk with the Lord in quiet time and still be struggling. That's, I don't want to paint this rosy rainbow unicorn picture. <laughs> no, um, it's, and it's not one. Um, it's a journey, right? Yeah. Um, but I remember I was about two or three years into youth ministry. Um, my stomach was literally physically ripped in shreds um, over the guilt and the shame and, and just dealing with this addiction and, and not knowing what to do with it. And um, the Lord just reminded me that he who had, you know began a good work is faithful to complete that good work in you. And so we have to remember it's really the power of the cross. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and it, that's going to lead us out of this thing. Um, it's not within our own strength or developing our own righteousness through this and saying, I overcame this. I think the, you know, uh, what is it? You know, the first step into recovery is admitting that you have a problem, Um, you know, admit it and, and take it before the Lord daily and, and let him do his work in and through it. And just remember that the problem's not the problem. Uh, the pornography really is a smoke screen. It's, I thought once I got that out of my life, I was going to be fine. Yeah. What it what it allowed is once that crust was broken and that pornography was out of my life, the Lord was able to really get to the deeper issues of my heart that really the pornography is a symptom. It's not the issue. It's not the problem. Um, and so, yeah, you know, make the confession short and know that God has got you. That's so good. That's so good. Well, I'll have links to all this in the show notes so folks can check out um, the show notes there. Um, for this. And then, of course, if folks want to find you online or around in the world, where might they find the real Dave Martin? <laughs> you know, you can uh, find me social media. It's real David Martin. Um, or you can go to IamDavidMartin.com and uh, you can find out about all this stuff with I Am Second, where I'm speaking, if you want to have me come out and minister to your students for a retreat or a camp or all that kind of good stuff. So you can find me there. Unless they live in Houston. You know, they can live in Houston, but I'm, I'm going to have to fly in probably into San Antonio and drive. <laughs> <laughs> That's a personal joke. We hate the Houston uh, airport. So 
Um, uh, and more particular, United Airlines. Yeah, okay, uh, there you go. There you go. That's that. too. Uh, I'll throw them under the bus for sure. They deserve. That's okay. That's awesome. <laughs> well, hey man, thank you so much for being willing to come on and share your heart and really um, kind of walk through some things that that aren't necessarily easy to talk about and um, certainly not pleasant, but but absolutely a really really important um, topic for us. And I hope, I really do hope, if you're listening, that you you know there's some encouragement here um, that that there's victory in this, that there, that man, Christ is absolutely sufficient in every way, but, uh, it is not an overnight deal. You know, rarely is it overnight in with anything in our life, but man, fight the good fight and, and flee from the temptation, run to the Lord. He yeah. is so worthy and so good and so gracious. And uh, our calling, our sufficiency, our ability to do this thing we call youth ministry is not in our own ability. It never has been. Uh, you, you and I have never been as cool as we thought we were, but the Lord is capable. And, um, man, he, he started something there. He's called you and put you where you are and he wants to continue to use you there. So that's right, man, run to the Lord. So cool. Well, thanks, David. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right. We'll catch you later, dude. There you have it. Great interview with David. I appreciate so much his heart and his honesty, just his willingness to come on and really share his journey and encourage others along the way. I really, man, I really encourage you, if, if you find yourself in the midst of battling pornography addiction specifically, really seek out some strong accountability, take advantage of some of these tools that we've mentioned, and really fight the fight on this um, as well. And I'm sure David would be more than willing uh, to, uh, to kind of give some advice along the way. So if you need to reach out to him, be sure and do so there. Uh, through the uh, through the ways that he mentioned to find him there at the end. So we'll have links again to all these resources and all the things that we've talked about and mentioned here on the show notes page at thelongerhall.com slash episode 041, thelongerhall.com slash episode 041. And again, I'll just encourage you with this too is in regards to David. If you need a good, if you're looking for somebody to come in as a, a camp speaker, a retreat speaker, and David is top-notch, and the, the work that he's doing at I Am Second Students is great. So, uh, man, if you're looking for somebody, I would encourage you to think of, to, to think of David as well and, uh, and maybe reach out and see if you can't get him to come in and love on your kids a little bit. He's, uh, he's a good guy and, uh, and solid, man, solid, solid guy. So anyway, uh, with all that said, just again, just encourage you, if you're enjoying the podcast, Head over to iTunes, write and leave a review there. I read all of those for sure. They're super encouraging. It really does help out the podcast with ranking. And uh, if nothing else, just helps other youth pastors and youth workers find the podcast, which is super, super helpful as well. And then, of course, over on the Longer Hall, got a bunch of resources there listed for you under the resource tab. Uh, just the resources I find myself recommending over and over and over to youth pastors and youth workers. So we put them all in one spot there for you so you can go and find those really easily and if you're not already on the mailing list make sure you jump on the mailing list some special stuff that comes out there that doesn't necessarily come through the blog or on the podcast and so you're going to want to make sure you jump on there a few thousand youth workers there you'll join as you uh, jump on that mailing list as well and that'll do it for today and for this show thanks for tuning in and giving it a listen i hope you found it helpful and until next time give them jesus Thanks for listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com.